Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about starting a campaign. Some of us are more awake than others. Yeah, it's been a long night. <laughs> it was raining all night, so it was kind of, I thought it was pretty cool. Jolene, not so much. Starting a campaign. Now I'm talking about like starting from scratch from the very, from the very inception of thinking you want to start a campaign. As a GM, I'm talking about players, they're going to be involved, but mainly it's the GM that first has the impetus of starting a campaign. Unless he gets a, or he, she, they get a round of people, of round of round. They get players asking them, oh, please run this game for us, a certain game, whatever that is. Then it's not really the GM's burgeoning idea. It's the players pushing them that they want to play a different game. But usually, I think usually, I think it's the GM who comes up with something they want to run, an idea they, they get to run a game. So the first thing is, where do you get the ideas from, right? I think most people, at least I do, this is how I, how I guess I figure how I come up with ideas to run campaigns, is books. You know, I read a lot, of, not I read a lot of books, but I read a few books a year. And some of those ideas are really cool. Some of the settings are really neat. Some settings that I haven't, I didn't think of. And I'm like, oh, that would be interesting. And I always think about how interesting of a role-playing setting that would be when I'm reading books because I'm so heavily invested in role-playing games. And so books are, are things that can motivate you to think up of a campaign or a setting. So you're talking about you coming up with the campaign setting yourself. Right. Like, like you have, a, you read a John Grisham novel and decided that you were going to run a spy game. Correct. Perfect. I hope John Grisham writes spy novels because I'm a little he, tired this a morning. Thriller, thriller, John Grisham. Yeah. No, no, he writes the lawyer ones. All right. Uh, so Tom you wanted Clancy. to play a, a, a lawyer game. <laughs> Tom Clancy would be like the the red hunt for Red October dude. What's okay. his name? Jack Ryan. So then another area, of course, of inspiration could be movies. We watch, uh, we watch movies all the time. I watch a lot of movies. and so You don't usually run campaigns with the movies you watch, though. No, but they can be ideas like, that's the kind of game I want to run. Like, I, I haven't done it yet, but let's say something like, uh, what's the one with uh, Matt Damon? Where he's like a super soldier. Born. The Born Identity, yeah. The Born series. Something like that, like a super spy novel, uh, not novel, a super spy movie. Uh, it could be uh, James Bond 007, any of the mm -hmm. movies, especially the the latest ones with, uh, what's his name? Not Roger Craig. What's his name? Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Daniel Craig. The, the English dude. Uh, I guess they're all English. <laughs> no, well, what's his name? Uh, Remington Steele. He's not. He was Irish. Oh. Oh, he was. Oh. I thought he was American. So movies can usually light a spark again in your imagination. And, and if you'd like me going, oh, how would this run as a campaign, as a, as a game at least? And it can be very useful, especially if there's a lot of movies of that type or that series. Like The Bourne Identity, right? There's, quite, there's three or four movies in that one. Star Wars, stuff like that. And the next one is just out of your own imagination. You think up of a situation it could be an amalgamation of movies, uh, short stories, books, plays, or anything you've seen or read or heard or just come up on your own. Or and, or, uh, or you could be standing in a bookstore and see Storm King's Thunder and go, oh, 
That would be cool. Well, yeah, that's down the line. Oh, I didn't know you had a line. I have a, I have a, there's a system, Jolene, the system. <laughs> well, when you're coming up with the idea for a campaign, did you take into consideration what would make your, what your players would want to play or, or do you come up with the idea and then present it to the players and you have that one guy going, oh, we're going to play that again? I think that's what I'm talking about. Is this, I'm just talking about just coming up with the first idea of the, of a campaign. You're jumping the gun for me, but later on, I'm, I'm going to include players. Oh, okay. So along with the second thing I have is system. Like, what system would you run this theoretical campaign? It's not, it's just an idea. <laughs> She's looking at my notes and laughing. And the system, I am, because he has players second, but then he has a three next to it. So. I, thought, I thought the system would come in next. And then the system is like, Straight rules for your setting. Is it rules already for that game? Let's say you saw Star Wars and you're like, I want to run a Star Wars game. Hey, there's a couple rule sets already for Star Wars. Or The Expanse. Well, there's a, there's a rule book for The Expanse. There's some oh, rules. Okay. Just to play the devil's advocate, what if all your players only want to run, want to play in a okay, certain you're skip, system? You're skipping the line. Skipping the line. I, I wasn't. Yeah. Cause I'm in a certain system. Later. Oh. You're talking about systems. Well, I mean, that. That's true. Say that you guys only run Savage Worlds. Well, that would be easy because you can run anything in Savage Worlds. That's right? true. Or GURPS, you can run anything in GURPS. Right. But let's say it's 5th edition D&D, and that's all they want to play is 5th edition D&D. And we're talking about the fantasy D&D game, right? Not some homebrew or not some... There's a bunch of third-party licenses out there. or Yeah, third-party, not licensed, third-party... I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> He's looking at me like I can supply the word to him. It's on the tip of my tongue. Third-party creators that have published stuff for D&D that... Like, well, that's okay a- because um, I hear there's other games that are done in 5th edition that aren't D&D. You said there was somebody, that one that we looked at, not Vossen. There was another one that was an alternative to D&D that went with the 5th edition. Oh, Symborium or Symboru? Yes. Right, right, right. That's what I'm talking about. There's different settings and rule sets that use 5th edition base mechanics and have their own setting and everything. But you're right. You you do have to include the players at some point, but this, again, is still in the planning or in the idea stage. If you're thinking about a game, you're thinking about a setting, what system would you use, right? You're going to use something that already there's rules for, or are you going to hack a system, like change it a little bit? Or are you going to use something of your own making, like total homebrew? So those are things that usually happen. Okay, so you jumped again a little bit. So I got to go to players right away now. And players are important because if you have no players. It's you have- really hard to run a campaign without players. <laughs> so, so here's the sticky part, right? Uh, that does happen where players are very like, I don't want to play that game. Or I don't want to, that's not going to be fun for me. Or... Literally, there's a uh, you know there's a lot of people. If you look on the internet, there's a lot of people who say that there's a lot of players out there, and they usually call them new players, which I don't even know if that's true. But there's a lot of players out there that only want to play D and D, right? And that's all they want to play, almost to the point like that's all the only game that exists to them. That's only because it's it's new to them, right? right. It's the new generation that saw actual plays and said. This is what role playing is. Right. But there's also those old people who still play A D and D. What do you call them? The Grognards. Grognards. It's a French word for old soldier, I believe, Napoleon times. Well, you know, sometimes people 
And it's not only D&D, because I know people that only play Savage Worlds. Right. They will play anything in Savage Worlds, but that's the system they know, and that's the system they like. Right. And a lot of people, that is the thing. It's not like you and your GM friends who want to try out all the new different systems and see how it works. Correct. Some people just want to play one thing. Right. So the, you're right. The, you bring in the players at this point after you thought of an idea, maybe even put it uh, attach the system that you would probably want to try it in. And you ask the players, do you want to play this game? Usually it's your circle of friends, right? Or the circle of players that you have. But sometimes they may not be interested in it. And then you're like, oh. How am I going to get more different players? Well, I mean, the, the, you could go out. The thing is, you got to go outside your comfort zone, right? Outside your inner circle of friends or your inner circle of gamer friends who you play with all the time. And I kind of did this with, with the what, what became, or Shannon calls the Stanford group. We were playing online, and I really wanted to play in person, right? That was the deal. Well, Felipe was still in Selena, so Micah was gone. But and I don't, it doesn't matter. But I wanted to try new blood, right? And so I thought of uh, Shannon, who I, I played with only at conventions. And I played at, well, he played at my home, but mainly just one-shots and stuff. And then Bay, who I didn't know was a was an RPG player. He was mainly, I thought he only played board games. And then I saw him running the... Star Wars at a convention. I go, oh, he runs Star Wars. Yeah. He goes, oh, wow. I go, you play co-playing games? He goes, yeah. I go, wow. So I invited him and I go, do you have any ideas of who you should, you know, who, you know, if you want to start a group? And then he mentioned that Kawi was interested in playing role-playing games. And then Shannon su- suggested Morgan. And I forget who else we, we were. Jason and Honda. Oh, Jason and, and Honda. I don't know. And Felipe was in it. For, for the most part, it was a different group with a little bit of old uh, included, of people that had not played before. It was fantastic, right? Because what does happen if you play with the same people all the time, I think, like I did when I was young, I played with Mike, Felipe, Esteban, and Sip. That was like, and sure, Mike's brothers sometimes played, but for the most part, those are the group, that's the group that we played with, and Felipe, right? And so we were really used to each other's style of gaming, and so we didn't really change. There wasn't a new people coming in, giving us different ideas of how to role play. So we role played the way we were doing it, and we didn't change much. And I can say that I probably role played the same way up until I was probably forty. You know, I was uh, I was kind of a hack and slasher. I would present combat as as the action of the game that I was running all the time. That was just it. Every once in a while, I would get a little bit I don't know different. I don't know I if would. that's if that's true I I know that before you started playing with uh, other people's you got other games like after you went to conventions and stuff well after you conventions changed and had more things than just what you were doing to start with you started at getting different games to play and play right. them with your group your yeah I tried because like my group was very they didn't want to learn a new system, right? And I can understand that because some systems can be t- tough, especially the old games. I remember, like, oh, I don't want to run a new game. I'm like, okay, oh, I don't want to play a new game. Oh, I don't want to learn. They, they would be afraid, oh, we got to learn a new system, right? And then, and then another part was that a lot of times I would drop it, right? Okay, we're not going to play anymore. Or you know, it would just die, the game. And so I can understand the, the trepidation of somebody who knows my, my penchant. I want to try this new thing. Okay, I'm done. Yes, yes, exactly. And so 
And they're like, oh, everybody just sits back, oh, Saul's got a new Saul game. made me learn this, and now he doesn't want to play it. Right, right. Or I've just, the new fad is gone. So I understand that. But I also still want to try new games and see how they work. Because I'm fascinated about how certain games or how certain systems work. For example, I love the the Tales from the Loop game, right? I really like it because it's so simple and it's to me it's fun and it doesn't really center around combat, which I thought was an interesting thing. Uh, okay, so maybe it wasn't 40, but maybe when I was 35. after uh, So about the last 20 years, I've really started changing the way I play, mainly because I started going, I mean, I've always been going to campaign uh, campaigns, conventions, but conventions really, that's when I really started paying attention to how people did things. And I'm like, oh, it's not all about combat. It's not all about uh, there's role playing as in as in getting really into their character. And I know Felipe has been saying that for years and years and years. And he's always trying. Well, to get he was it. the first one to branch out and play with other people besides your group. Yeah, probably. And and that really bothered you because <laughs> <laughs> no. he didn't take you with him. <laughs> no, I wasn't bothered. I believe so. I wasn't bothered one iota. So Saul started this whole monologue because of. Try if your players don't want to play in the system you want to try, then you have to figure out. You have to, find like he says, players. find new players right. to play it. Maybe one or two of them want to play, and somebody else doesn't. So you just have to. I don't know. I wouldn't troll the internet looking for people, but you know, find other people. You got to recruit. You know, a little bit. You got to go out and find players. I think, for example, I would like to play, maybe even run Twilight Two Thousand. I don't think anybody I know wants to play that game. It's not going to be me because that involves keeping track of your stuff and and right. how many gun, how many bullets you have, and I'm not into that. Right. I just want I want feng shui bullets. <laughs> you know, they're they're all everywhere. <laughs> I pull them out of thin air. So I'm not sure. That, I'm not sure. Like like uh, Augustine and 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 the Maze would like to play that game. I know Kathy wouldn't. Right. Although she might get into it. I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like that's the kind of game. And as far as the Stanford group, I'm not sure any of them would want to uh, play that game. That's a little too too straightforward violence. Too close to home? <laughs> well, it's not all about violence, but I understand. So I think sometimes there's nobody in your circle of friends or your group of players that want to try out a certain game, mainly because it absolutely has no interest in that for them. There's no interest... They have no interest in that game or that setting for them, and you really want to try it out. So you have to find players for it. There's all kinds of places you can find players. There's conventions. There's there's hobby shops. You can, I hate to say it, not troll the internet, but you can actually go into the internet and find places that where you can find players. For example, Roll20 has looking for a group. Almost any kind of online game system or VTT or whatever has uh, you go reddit they do they have looking for players kind of stuff and i think that's that's you know if you don't have anybody else in that you know you can go to the internet i remember just i had plenty of players but i just wanted just to invite other people that i didn't know and i i, I put a there's a website called pen and paper and it recently has come back i think it was gone for a while but it's recently come back and they're trying to get back into running again and it, pen and paper is a forum or a website where you post games that you want to play or run and find players for it now mainly now it's uh you could use for online and, and meet face to face but back then online playing wasn't that popular 
But I found this lady, and she was really nice, and she was a Warhammer player. She was a miniature player. But she was an amazing role player, and she was really good. I mean, she would she was a cleric of, of something or other, and she would always say, she would like, people would say, oh, can you heal me? And she goes, how, how, you know, do you pray to Mithra? I don't know what the goddess it was, but she was really good. And I was like, man, she's really, she really brings it to the table. And I thought it was really neat. I think you could be really successful. I think you got to be, you know, real careful. Like it's like hiring somebody for a job, kind of, maybe not that stringent, but you got to make sure that it's a good fit for your group. But that's anything, anytime. So finding your players, find your players, cool. Then you go, what do you go do from there, right? Where do you go from there? I got start the campaign work, right? As soon as you got your players, you got you got your system down, you got your ideas, then you start writing down whatever you got to write down. Well, you okay, so then you have to figure out, people have to make characters and all that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. But this is like, this is your planning stages. This is when you have, when you're by yourself, you're the GM. And you got to come up with adventures or what's gonna, what you're going to do, like what the setting is. You know, you're going to write stuff, write down your basic notes at this point. At the same time, or a little bit after that, you ask your players, what stories do they want to experience, right? So you're going to, are you talking about a session zero no, or no, are you talking before a session? Before zero? a session zero, because you're going to want to see what, what kind of stories they want to tell or experience, right? And so you ask the players, well, do you guys want to have like, sure, we're playing in the born identity world, right? But do you want to be born or do you want to be one of the people in the background? I mean, what kind of, what kind of game, what, what kind, where do you want to, where do you want your adventures to take place and what, what areas? You know what I mean? So I think player input as to what, kind of game they want to play sure you can say oh i want to play in star wars well that's a huge world right do you want to play smugglers do you want to play imperial pilots do you want to play stormtroopers do you want to play the rebels i don't know anybody that wants to play a stormtrooper you never know there, I'm might just be saying. Some, there might be some out there that want to do it you know it's possible Th- that's what i'm talking about because if you're coming up, oh, I'm, they're going to want to be rebels, rebels. But then all of a sudden, they, oh, yeah, we're all going to join the Imperial uh, Flight School. Okay. So, well, wouldn't it be, this is just me, wouldn't it be easier to make the characters and then and then ask them what their character wants to do or experience or what what is the... Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I, get, I think so. I mean, either way, along those lines... Because in the olden days, when days. you used to use email to do the oh. characters, remember? Yeah. You I would, would still do that. Everybody would make the character, and then you would go, okay, what do you, what do you, where do you see your character doing? What kind of, give me an idea, just a little bit of a backstory so I can, and then you would integrate it to see how people knew each other and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, you could do that, but I think it's, you could do that, yeah. And I've done that, and I think I've it was very successful, and I'm very happy about how it turned out. But that is also a lot of work for the GM, who's always has a lot of work to do anyway. So to minimize that work, you I can think. make the characters, the people, the players do that amongst each other too. Yeah, yeah. But you course. need to know so you know how they. Right, they will keep you in the loop. So once you know what your players want to experience, then you can tailor some of the encounters and stuff to that, right? Right. And that's that's putting concepts down on note in your notes, right? This is what this is the kind of adventures that A, B and C want and D and F want this kind of game. So you kinda have to give everybody what they want, a little bit of a 
give them the stories that they want to tell or the adventures that they want to have or the kinds of things that they want to do in the game. So everybody has something to do at one point or another or their specialties or whatever whatever the characters are or whatever their characters' uh, strengths are. That's why you want to talk to your players and be able to figure that out. You don't want to guess and then guess wrong as to what kind of game they want to be in. Or I agree. A lot of that <laughs> is just asking players and have good communication with your players. And sometimes I don't do this, right? I started... The, well, no, Storm King, I don't remember Storm King's Thunder. I think you guys already had your characters. Yeah, right? we did. Yeah. I think it was the campaign before that that it was when I did all that emails and stuff like that. So I think when, and when that happened, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to pair the people who I think are going to be closest to each other for whatever reason. And a lot of them were already saying, oh, I know this person. Like Steve and... Alan. Alan knew each other, right? Because mm-hmm. they had made their characters together. I was pairing players together so they would know each other. And I forget who you I paired you with. But anyway, so I was doing that. And they, and of course, when they were, when they came to me, oh, I know this character because we're together. Okay, fine. And I gave them a little bit more information, right? I go, okay, you, since you've been in the city, this is what you've been doing. And blah, 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 blah. In the city of Shazeo is what I think, where the campaign started. I think that like, that's all about part of communication and that's all part of having a campaign that's going to go well. At the very end of all this stuff that we've been thinking and, and talking about, you have, you have the session zero, right? You have players come in, sit down at a table or virtual table if you want, if you have to, and make characters. I know a lot of people don't really believe in this session zero thing. Ah, I can do make characters on my own. I think what happens... Well, you- you can always have them make the characters before session zero, and then when you get to ses- session zero, they can you can put them to get like make the connections and stuff like that. Yeah, but I think there's something happens when you're making characters together. Like you're all together and you're making characters, and you're like, "Oh, what are you gonna make?" And then there's a lot of back and forth in that stage. I don't know. We had some issues when we were all making our when Alan and Augustine were trying to help us with the Shadowrun characters because. They were too involved in making their own characters to answer the questions of us that needed well, questions okay. answered. <laughs> That's uh, that is because they really know how to make characters, and you guys don't know the rules as well. So if everybody was equal, which brings up a good point, not everybody is gonna be at the same level of knowing how to make characters, especially if it's a new system, or because someone might have experienced that system before and someone wouldn't. Yeah, you're right. But for example, we made we didn't well, we didn't make characters together for Vossen. No. Well, I made my own character and you made your own character. Right. We made characters together, right. but not with the other people. Right, right. But even then when we were together, we were like, "Oh, what kind of character are you making?" And then based on based on the, what you were making, I didn't make the same character, right? That's what I think is interesting about being at the table or around or at least everybody discussing together what kind of character they're going to make. Because not that I'm really into balanced parties. You know, I really could, could care less. You could all play bards. You could all play vagabonds or whatever in any game, in any system. It doesn't matter to me. But it does matter to certain GMs and it does matter to certain players. Uh, they don't want to double up on somebody else's uh, skills or skill sets or type of character that they're playing. 
I have a certain set of skills. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but you're but I think a lot of people are really concerned about that and a few GMs are concerned about it. I know, that. we've talked about it and I've I've been at especially organized play. Well, definitely. Because I've been sitting at a table with, at organized play before with my son and watch Saul just just blow people's minds because he wouldn't tell him what his character was and he they want they needed to know it was like a it was like a compulsive need to know because the party needed to be balanced and that was the only time I ever went whoa this is very different than we what we usually do because usually you can make whatever kind of character you want it doesn't matter if you have two paladins or whatever Right, right, and, but and, and yeah, but that was the time when I realized that okay, people, I, I, that was the only, that was the first time and probably only time I've been at a table where a balanced party was a serious issue for these people. <laughs> Usually, it's not so strict in uh, in most people's games, but I think that's the most extreme version of that idea, and that comes from organized play because. The whole idea is you want as much wide variety of skill to get through the adventure. adventure. And the adventures are geared to have a wide variety of types of So people. if you don't have a certain kind of character, it's going to be harder to get through. Theoretically. But as, 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 as you know. As people, as I found out, that's absolutely not true. Because we bowl through different adventures and... It didn't matter. I mean, th- there was never a time where, man, we need this skill, and there's nobody with that skill in our group. Because you can, it's a role playing game. You're supposed to come up with other options, right? Right. 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 And that, I think that's. And I think that's the best part about role playing is is all the different ideas that people come up with to get through a certain lock or whatever, whatever the situation is. What I like about session zero is when people are making characters together. They at the same time, not only do I making characters together, right? And they're like, okay, I'm not going to make the same character as you, or oh, I could be your brother or sister or something. You, the players, when they're all in the group together, they're making connections. Like the connections that were made when I ran my campaign, when I started that uh, Return to the King or to the King campaign set in Suzale, people who made connections were people who already knew each other. Like, for example, uh, we all knew each other. I mean, yeah, but they were, I mean, they made the characters together. Yeah. Right? So Steve and Alan, right, they obviously made the characters at the same time and were talking to each other. And they go and they formed a link before they even came to the table or even told, you know, before I even knew what kind of characters they were. They were already having this link. But I think you have a more organic link around the table when everybody's around the table and, like, maybe Steve wouldn't have linked his character to Alan. He might have linked his, like, to Chris, or to you. Oh, you, I understand what you're saying, but Steve would have linked his character to Alan anyway. I understand that, but I think there's a better chance when everybody's together going, oh, you're going to make this kind of character? I think we would fit to, together, not just like, oh, because I want to help my son out and I want to be together right, with right. him. And it has nothing to do with... Well, the, the kids were also a lot younger then, so that had a lot to do with it. I don't know. How, but how long ago was that then? They were like 12, 13. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. Maybe even younger. No, because any younger, they would be in playing Pathfinder. Okay. We were playing D&D, I think. Okay. Fifth edition. I don't know. Oh Which God. one is Storm of King's Thunder? Fifth edition. Okay, there you go. Wow. Now, I think they were like 14. <laughs> well, okay, how old are they? They're 19. Augustine and Alan, yeah. So six years ago? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, yeah, yeah. Definitely before the pandemic. But, oh, yeah, yeah. 
I understand. Like, oh, the last campaign or the last when Augustine said he was going to run a, a campaign. Oh, yes. But he, when we made our characters, you and I made characters that were both gnomes and we were not related or anything, but we were traveling. We, uh, we thought about it. I thought about it. But you said no. You said you kept saying you want to be my brother. I'm like, no. I don't want to be that close to you. That was funny. <laughs> That's the harshest no I've ever heard. Yeah, and I think that was neat. I, but I would have been neater if we would have been making all the characters together and then, like, see the nuances of what's going on in the character development and then see, like, like me, I wanted to attach myself to you because you were making the character right next to me and you just happened to be a gnome. But if, I don't know, if Steve or, or Kathy was making a character, I don't even remember what kind of character she was making, I said, oh, I really like that idea of that character. How about, you know, and then make the, that connection with characters that, with people, players, whose characters you're not making one right next to. That's what I'm thinking about. So I think I really like the idea of making a session zero. I mean, having a session zero where players make, the, make, make their characters. And what's even more important is where questions are asked and answered. Oh, what about this the, to the GM? And the GM gives off information. Or even before that, say, okay, we're playing a fantasy D&D type game. No evil, no assassin type characters. But being none. I don't want that. No evil characters, no assassins, right? Okay, that's, that, that's like a table rule that should have been done before Session Zero. But if it comes up, then you can squash those kind of squash there. Because Carl already handed you the evil assassin character. <laughs> and you forgot to tell him that. You didn't bad. want that. I feel bad about it, but I tear it up in pieces. and then You wouldn't tear it, it up. Then I light it on fire. You wouldn't tear it up. You would just say, I'm sorry, Carl, that you can't have that character. You're done, Carl. That would be for a different campaign. Save it for later. That's not my game. Yeah, I would have those table rules ahead of time. But other things that might come up that you haven't thought about, like uh, multi-classing or having certain type of stuff, like, oh, I want this item. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, no, or yes, or whatever, right? Not, not right now, but let's, let's have you making it or having you make uh, put you can on work layaway. towards that. Put on layaway, right? So you can have it later. <laughs> <laughs> not at first level or not as a beginning character. I, oh, can I get a, a, a gunship, uh, a marine gunship? Uh, no, not off the top. Not from the very beginning. Though, it was it was a one of the first, in the Expanse, it was the first thing they got. But that was because of the story. But stuff like that can happen where people ask questions, and I think that Session Zero is a perfect time to get all that stuff out of the way, including making characters together, including making connections to each other. And I think that would make a more easier way to start a campaign than having those questions creep up during play, because nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to use my, my assassin sneak attack. to. I'm gonna, you're like, what? Why? Oh, hold on. You can't be an assassin. Doesn't an assassin have to be evil? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm chaotic evil. Oh, uh, I don't allow chaotic evil. I don't allow evil characters. Like what? Oh, oh, oh my God, that would be terrible. And it'd be a lot of your fault as a GM because you didn't establish those things right ahead of time. And then look at their characters. Look at your their characters, people, GMs, because sometimes they might surprise you with a sneak on that paper. This has happened to Saul before because. He just assumes that everyone makes a character the same way he does. Yes. And that's another thing is that you don't know how people 
make characters like the whole idea of, of having a dump stat, right? I never even conceived that idea. I can see playing Traveler and making your characters together because then you can all commiserate with each other as you die or, or turn out to be a sucky character. <laughs> well, actually, And you might need people to help you interpret the rules. Cause... <laughs> the new Traveler's books are not that bad. They're really good, actually. They're really good. Like Mongoose Traveler is a really good book. You don't die when you make your character? No. You don't have a chance to die? No. Oh, okay. Then you get stuck with a sucky character, maybe. Uh, I think they still do that random skill thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the idea behind that, I know it's kind of going off subject. Should we talk about that some other? Real quick, the whole idea is you get stuck with a character that you have to play, and that's the fun part, right? That's so simple. Right. That's like original D&D. Original well, D&D, you roll three dice in, in order, strength, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wisdom, and that's what you're stuck with, no matter what. Well, it's kind of like when... And if you're running a campaign, you wouldn't be making all the characters, but it's like when we run or play in one shots where Shannon already has the characters made or, or they already, they, they've already done these things, right? So they give you a, a pool of characters to choose from. Right, right. And then, which I think is fun, especially for one shots, because then you can play all kinds of different people. Although Bay got kind of upset with me when I picked a, a thief for the second time for, for, uh, for Feng Shui. Oh, okay. Not upset. But he was like, you played a thief the last time. I'm like, well, it's the easiest character that I know because I've played it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played Feng Shui twice with him? No, I don't think we actually got to play the Feng Shui because I think uh, that's when I got sick. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what we we're coming up with. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The dreaded COVID. Yes. Yeah, so I think the whole idea behind all these rules or all these ideas is to avoid surprises when your campaign starts or surprises when... When you don't have any players, oh, we don't want to play that game. And you invested all this time. Uh, surprises where, oh, you made a character with a dump stat. Uh, I don't allow that. Or, or stuff like that, right? That's why good communication is good. You should always communicate with your players. Communicate uh, back and forth as much as possible. And therefore, you eliminate any problems with starting a campaign. So you've figured out what campaign, what, what system you want to run, what game you want to run, or what genre or whatever, your idea. First is the idea. And then... Then there's the system. And then you got the players. And then you get the players. <clears throat> you get the characters made. Get the characters made and talk to your players. And then, and then what happens? And then you start the campaign. That's, there you go. So what if they can't all meet? Do you have to also come up with when you're meeting? Well, that, that, that is, that goes outside the realm of creating a campaign. Ah, okay. Right. This, we're talking, as far as scheduling, you know, I put that under hurting the cats. All right. The players. And, uh, and sometimes, sometimes, that's what you really have to consider is how often you're going to meet, how often you're going to be able to meet. Well, it might be easier like if it's your normal group and you've been playing for on Tuesday nights for 40 years, then everybody knows that, right? Right. And everybody's into that schedule. But if, if it's that you meet once a month on a Saturday when everybody can, then it might be a little more yes, difficult. Yes, that's different, yes. That's harder to run a campaign that way. If you have set days that you meet, it's easier, I think. I'm just saying. Yeah, oh, of course. But like for us, when we set it on Saturday, the problem with Saturdays is people like to do stuff on the weekends other than play games, right? Well, yeah. Or so, you have to do things. Or you have to do things. Oh, I got to go to a wedding. I or a birthday party. Birthday yeah. party. 
or or whatever. You know, I have to go to a luncheon with my parents. Yeah. Stuff like that happens. And so but for me, weekends are definitely the only time I can play because I work, right? And if I had a normal job, like no, I mean, normal job, normal hours, I could possibly play at night. Like, oh, we could play Tuesday nights from 8 to 11, right? Or 6 to 11 or 7 to whatever. And it would be possible to do that. problem I have is a lot of all these people are retired, these bastards. And so they can play anytime they want. They're often very busy, even though they're retired. Right. <laughs> they have lives outside of RPGs. So So that's it. I mean you once you have everything ironed out, you got your you got your you got your idea, you get attached a, a setting or a rule set, you got your players, you they have their characters, you ironed out any potential problems as far as table rules and stuff like that. I'm not gonna worry about can, uh the scheduling. That heck, that's a whole different ball of wax that's that's totally on you guys whoever is playing uh you start the campaign and uh and you just enjoy the game for what it's worth i mean you don't know how long game's gonna be you don't know if they're gonna finish the campaign i was pretty sure for example sometimes you know you're gonna finish a campaign right for like when you, we were playing D every saturday or every other saturday i knew we were gonna finish both of the campaigns to the king and then for storm king's thunder i knew you guys were gonna finish it I just felt that. But other times you're like, uh, I don't know if they're going to really enjoy this game or or they're going to like find a new shiny, another game that they like more or want to try. So that's always uh, something that happens with people's games or your game or your campaign. And don't be too upset if it doesn't ha- if it doesn't go to the end or what you consider a good ending. Sometimes games don't go all the way to the end or campaigns, I should say, don't go to the end. And you shouldn't be too upset about it. You know, you're like, oh, a little bit upset about it. But don't let it get you down. I mean, there's other games and more fun awaits in different worlds. There you go. There it is. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline. And you have a good day.